morning. Really fantastic to be with you. I love coming to this church and uh, great to see that there's so many people here today that I probably never met before. Um, a real sense of the Lord's blessing on this place and um, its roots going deep into the Lord and His Word and His Spirit and the fruit coming out of that is fantastic. So it's great. I've been on a journey with you as a church for a number of years and I've got to say this is just a great place that you're at and really excited. Hopefully today just to speak some words that will just contribute a little bit more energy for the next stage of the journey, particularly as we stand on the threshold of a new term. I'm sure all of us to some degree are regathering ourselves from the summer where uh, we're a little bit in other places and now getting focused again for a new term as kids go back, students go back and many of us back to work at least at a serious level as well. So I hope this message brings some encouragement towards that. Before I dive into it, also to say Thank you over the years as well to those of you who've um, really been encouraging uh, regarding the Bible course. Many of you know that I, many years back down in Cornwall actually, we, we produced a course called the Bible course. Um, and uh, the latest version has been in this kind of format. Uh, this is probably a familiar thing to some of you. I think the course was run here for the whole church uh, a couple of years ago. And um, one of the main things I've been doing with my time since finishing the PhD has been spending a lot of time in front of uh, TV cameras because we've just filmed a whole new version of the course um, so that the teaching videos, which are now a bit shorter, and the discussion times that make up the Bible course are ready for a whole upgrade and new launch in October. So I only mention that because not only might that be something of interest to Forest Town Church here, but also I recognize many of you will have connections with other churches or ministries, uh, in, even in other countries, and would love you to spread the word because with Bible Society now as the publishers, this is hopefully going to go viral and global, that's my prayer, because we want as many people as possible to build their lives on the Bible. Would you agree? And to do that, actually, it's not enough these days just to give people a Bible and say you need to read this. People actually need a helpful introduction to get into it. Would you also agree? This is actually quite a substantial book. In fact, if you give someone a Bible, you're giving them a small ancient library, right? So we need a bit of help to get into that, and that's the idea of the Bible course. I'm really excited that we're launching a whole massively upgraded version. Please, would you help spread the word? On the table at the back or somewhere out there, we'll, I'll leave some of the flyers for it so that you've got information that maybe you could pass on to others as well. Is that okay? That's the sales pitch over. Should we get into the Bible uh, together? And today I want to speak on the subject of hope. And you may see on the screen there, particularly our living hope, the hope that we have as Christians, which is referenced by the final whistle. Hence that uh, logo will appear on the screen a few times. We'll get one day soon, we're going to hear the final whistle on this world and this reality, and it will usher in the hope that we as Christians have. And I want to think today about how hope works for us as Christians. And I think it's a good message, as I say, as we stand on the brink of a new term in 2017. In other words, as we enter a phase of looking forwards to new horizons, how does Christian hope energize and inspire us to live lives well? And I think to do this, I need firstly to clarify what we mean by hope. Because hope in our culture, as opposed to in Scripture, is actually quite a weak word, isn't it? If you think about some of the ways that we use the word hope, we will use it almost invariably to describe uncertain things. Have you noticed? I hope that it doesn't rain today. The reason you've included the word hope into that sentence is because it's uncertain, right? We're in Britain. <laughs> Who knows? 
Well, you might say, I hope that I still have a job by the end of the year, or I hope I get a pay rise by the end of the year. It is implicit uncertainty that brings in the word hope. Charlotte might say, I hope my husband puts the bins out today, or whatever it might be. It's wishful thinking, right? I might say, I hope Charlotte buys what we need in the first shop that we go into. Wishful thinking, right? Hope is a, is a word that so often culturally is used because we don't know anything certain for the future. Now, when the Bible uses the word hope, it is actually, if you think about it, it's the polar opposite. It is not used in here to imply uncertainty, but our sure and certain hope. We have some things in the future that we can talk about in the present as absolutely certain because of Jesus Christ. And when we get some fixed certain things on the horizon, biblical hope, it shines back into our present and inspires us to live lives well in 2017. Let me put it this way. I think this is my attempt. This is just a working definition of hope for this talk. So on the screen you can see here, here's how I think hope could be defined from the Bible. Hope is the confident expectation of a glorious future that is so certain we can live for it now. Does that work for you? That's my working definition of hope. There's something so certain that God has put on our horizon that we can live for it here and now. Now, when we get this kind of hope on the horizon, I believe it's a powerful force in our lives. Hope, true hope, can energize us through tough times to achieve great things for God. I am... as I say that, I think about as just by way of illustration, and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty. But I, I remember a couple of years ago, we decided to take our children up Snowdon. Has anyone else ever been up the mountain Snowdon? It's the highest mountain in England and Wales. And um, one of the unusual things about it is it has a train going to the top of it, which might entice some of you to go up Snowdon. It's unusual in the UK, but there's a train to the top. But we, um, we were not going to allow our children to go up on the train. So we set off on a hot, sweaty August day, I think two years ago. And um, halfway up, <clears throat> we had a meltdown, frankly. Our children had had enough. Uh, they were, they'd run out of energy. They were tired. They were exhausted. And one of them was five years of age. That was the other thing. Um, so halfway up, they, they decided no more. And, um, and we decided we didn't, we didn't want to settle for that as parents, as you don't. So we said, look, I said to them, I know, I know the mountain quite well. So I said, look, we're going to go. Can you see that little rise just here, just the next horizon? And they could see it was like five minutes away. And I said, we're going to go to there. And when we get there, you can decide whether we're going to go back or whether we're going to go to the top. So we got to the next horizon. And the reason I'd chosen that is because from that spot, it was the first point at which you get to see the main summit of Snowdon. So they stood on this lower place and they looked up and I said, now can you see the top of Snowdon? Yeah, they could see it. And I said, and can you see that little building just to the right of the summit? And they said, yeah, we can see it. And I said, well, in there is a massive ice cream for each of you. <laughs> That's the cafe, right? A massive ice cream and the train to take you back down again. Now, what do you want to do? Hope. <laughs> Hope puts something glorious on the horizon, right? And inspires us with a new energy to live for it now. That can get the five-year-old to the top of Snowdon. That's how powerful hope is. Unfortunately, when we got to the top of Snowdon on this particular busy day, they'd sold out of the ice creams. <laughs> and the train was fully booked for the rest of the day going back down, which, um, which gave a great opportunity as they furiously marched back down the mountain 
to explain to our children that all hopes in this life will ultimately disappoint us, uh, except the Lord, which um, sadly, Jesus was no substitute for an ice cream on that particular day, uh, either way. Anyway, hope, hope in the Bible does not disappoint and put something on the horizon that we can live for, an energy that can get, keep us going and give us new resources through the challenges of life. You'll see if you click on a couple of slides, just a, an illustration of this visually, just go on to the next one actually, where you can see here, oh, and the next one again, you can see here how hope works. We stand in 2017, and there may be much uncertain about what's on the near horizon, that might be for you, uncertainties in terms of work or employment or family or finance, whatever it may be. There may be many uncertainties on the near horizon, that is what this term will hold or what the rest of this year will hold. But I want to put something, if you're a Christian today, that is absolutely bomb-proof certain on that far horizon, the horizon of eternity. And you notice, as this visual shows, that when we get that clear, hope shines back into our present moment and gives us the resources we need. So that's the structure of this talk. I want to start, as the Bible does, by telling us what our hope is on the far horizon, part one the hope of heaven. And then I want to talk about how that resources us with hope in the near horizon for 2017 and all of it that remains. Does that sound okay? So firstly, what is our hope as Christians on that far horizon, the hope of heaven? Well, if you listen to the way the Bible speaks, here's one example, you'll find that hope in the Bible, as I've said, promises something already certain and waiting for us. Here's a passage in 1 Peter chapter 1 as an illustration. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Can we say that together? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So you notice the logic here is very clear because of something that has happened in the past, the death and resurrection of Jesus, we in the present have been born again into God's family that in the future we might have already waiting for us an inheritance as part of that family. Doesn't that sound like a good deal? There's something in the past, the death and resurrection of Jesus, this has already happened, that secures for us in the present a new birth into God's family. If you put your faith in Jesus today, you are born again into the family of God, and at the point of your birth, you become part of the inheritance of the future that belongs to the family of God. That, folks, is called good news. I remember when I was born, actually, that's the point, I don't remember when I was born, uh, very, very few of us do, let's be honest, the point of our birth. But I do, I do remember being told at a later date that at the point of my birth, my grandfather had set up for me, in my name, a child inheritance bond. Now, at the point of my birth, I had no idea about this, but the fact is it was already mine. <laughs> it was a bond that he put money into that would accrue interest until I was 21 years of age and then I could have it. That, folks, is called the gospel, right? And I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, age 11, for the first time, finding out about this child inheritance bond. It had already been there for me at the point of my, from the point of my birth, but age 11, my parents told me about its existence. Now, as a highly motivated 
child motivated by money, I can remember that that gave me a whole new reason for living, frankly. I was being told, I was being told that all I had to do was reach the age of 21 and there was a sum of money that was mine, right? Now that's something of what Peter is describing here. At the point of our new birth, our Heavenly Father has set up an inheritance in our name in His kingdom. And it's when we arrive in that moment, either through our death or the return of Jesus, that all that He has in store for us will be released to us. And in the meantime, that gives us a whole new reason for living. Amen? We have something glorious on that far horizon. And notice here, it is spoken of as being already waiting for us. It's not that this might happen, it's, it's, it's ahead of us. And we're just catching up with what is already prepared for those who are in the kingdom of Jesus. Now look at another scripture. You may think, well, how do we know this is true for certain? Given that we haven't got to the future yet, we haven't got beyond the horizon of death, how can we know? Well, this other scripture helps. This is Hebrews 6. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Now notice once again, hope is spoken of as something that we already have possession of. It's not a possibility, it's a certainty. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. And the, anchor, the, the idea of an anchor is used to convey to us how certain our hope is. Now you understand how an anchor idea works. It's basically that you have this vulnerable, fragile thing, us, our lives, but it is tethered to this rock-like, immovable thing, the anchor. Now I appreciate most of you are thinking sailing at this point and boats and ships, and we'll get to that, but I actually want to use a different analogy to describe how the anchor of our hope works as Christians. Think not sailing, but rock climbing. Uh, which is something I'm a bit more familiar with, to be honest. We'll come to sailing in a moment, but if ever you've been rock climbing, you will know how this works. A team of climbers may approach the cliff face, and as they arrive, all of their hopes as a team are vested in one person who is the lead climber. And the lead climber is brave and skillful because they attempt to climb the cliff with no one above them to catch them if they fall. They do put some devices in as protection, but basically they have no higher uh, anchor point than themselves. But if that lead climber reaches the top of the cliff, they set up a belay or anchor point, fastening the rope through various devices to the rock of the mountain itself. Now that lead climber then is all the hope of the whole team. Because if they make it as the pioneer, as the lead climber, if they make it, the rest of the team still have to climb the cliff, but they are roped to, they are anchored to the one who's gone on ahead of them and already arrived. That person, they will, here we see how that works. You can see the, the anchor built into, pinned into the rock itself, and the lead climber is bringing up the other climbers to their position uh, that they have pioneered. I think this is what 
sums up Christian hope. Our Lord Jesus Christ has gone on ahead of us. He is the pioneer of our future. He has already arrived in heaven and secured for humanity an eternal hope that nothing can take away. He set up an anchor point in the heavens and we, by the Holy Spirit, are now roped to him. We may slip, but he will not let us fall. Amen? That is what we mean when we say we have this hope as an anchor. Already anchored in heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ, and here if you click on the next slide, here's how Hebrews puts it. Jesus went before us and entered heaven on our behalf. And elsewhere, he is now bringing many sons and daughters to glory. We are roped to him. Folks, if you're a Christian, you're going where he's gone. He's pioneered the route, and your future is as certain as his present position. Isn't that good news? Your future is as certain as his present position. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and you are roped to him. You're going where he's gone. That is how Christian hope works. That's how we can say in the present that we are confident of something beyond the, even the horizon of death in the future, we can speak this way because our Lord Jesus Christ, who died and rose again and ascended to the Father, we are roped to him. Amen? Now this is how Christian hope works then. It pulls something absolutely certain back into the present moment. If you ever do try rock climbing, you'll find that one of the best moments, the moment that is uh, it's a beautiful moment, is where you, it's called topping out. It's the moment where a climber who's been making their way up the cliff face, all that you've seen is the threatening sheer cliff face that you've been climbing. Topping out is the moment where you reach that point where your head pops out over the top of the horizon and suddenly you've made it. You've arrived. There to greet you is the lead climber that's brought you up. Now you don't see a cliff anymore. You see the sunlight and the new horizon, if you like, the glory. Do you know one day, folks, and let's be honest in the great scheme and sweep of history, not too far from now, you and I, if you're a Christian, we are going to top out into glory. It's not that far away, you know. It'd be worth thinking about today. Because in the sweep of history, we're like the flowers of the field. They're here today and gone tomorrow. But in that moment, something fragile and fleeting, our lives, is going to top out into something permanent and glorious. And in that moment, in that moment, we are going to see him. The one that we've believed in by faith, in that moment, we're going to see him by sight. The one who went ahead of us and secured our path to glory, in that moment we will see him face to face. Have you ever imagined that moment? I think it does the Christian soul some good to occasionally just imagine in the present that moment ahead of us when we will see Jesus face to face. And have you ever realized, as the Bible puts it, that it's not just that we're going to see him and be with him, but when we see him, we will be like him. What a thought. We're not just going to see him, but when we see him, the very vision of Jesus will, met will metamorphose us and transfigure us into his glory. We're going to see him and we're going to be like him. 
And that secures and guarantees that whatever fragilities and illnesses and challenges we have in this life, in just the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when our eyes meet his, all illness and sickness and sin and evil and suffering will vanish before his face and we will be transfigured and metamorphosed into his likeness and glory. Never to suffer these things again. Isn't that good news? I can't convey to you with my feeble words the kinds of realities that we speak of, but we need to remember that what you see around you that we call humanity is nothing but a shadow of its future self in Jesus Christ. We call this humanity, but really we are gray and pale and sick and dying. We're but a shadow of our future selves. Amen? If you could see, if you're sitting next to a Christian right now, if you could see what they will look like when they've seen Jesus, when they've topped out into glory, if you could see them as they will be, not as they are, I think as C.S. Lewis brilliantly captures it, you would be sorely tempted to fall down and worship them. <laughs> now, I don't say that in a, in a um, disrespectful way at all. I, I, I just make the point as C.S. Lewis does. He has a beautiful way of putting it in the... Um, here you can see one of his quotes. If we let him, speaking of Jesus, if we let him, he will make the feeblest and filthiest of us into a dazzling, radiant, immortal creature, pulsating all through with such energy and joy and wisdom and love as we cannot now even imagine. In his book, if you want to read something on this, read The Great Divorce. And in that book, he, he imagines one of us earthlings feeble and weak as we are, being shown round the realm of glory that awaits those in Christ. And as they're being shown round by an angel, the angel shows them round, and they see coming towards them this dazzling creature, shining and rippling with glory. And the earthling, one of us, falls down on their knees as if to worship this being that is approaching. And they say, is this the one? You know, meaning, is this the Messiah? <laughs> And the angel just laughs and says, no, don't be silly. This is someone you've never even heard of. This was Sarah Smith. She used to live in Golders Green in London. And it's C.S. Lewis's brilliant way of capturing. If you could see the most ordinary Christian as they will be, you'd be tempted to fall down and worship them. Because when they've seen Jesus, they will be like him, rippling and shining with his glory. If you could see... Dave from Colney Heath, <laughs> as he will be. What incredible glory lies ahead of us. I don't care how much you've worked out in the gym or how much beautiful treatments you may have had, you are nothing but a, sh a shadow of your future self. Don't take pride in your current appearance. It is embarrassing <laughs> compared to what we will be. Amen? And if you are weak and frail, and far from taking pride in your current physique and physical experience, it, it, it's one of the great things that lets you down. Can I encourage you? Don't lose heart. You are nothing but a shadow of your future self. There is it stored up for us, a glory that words cannot speak of. No eye has seen, and no ear has heard, and no mind could conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. Amen? Now that is our sure and certain hope. We are roped to this hope. We are roped to hope. And he will not let us down. 
Now, with that on the far horizon, remember what we said, this whole message works. If you click on to the next slide, remember, this whole message works this way, that what we have on the far horizon shines back to our near horizon and says, go for it. <laughs> Live with this kind of hope. Don't let the world get you down. Don't be discouraged. We have something ahead of us that nothing can take away from us. Now, let's live with a boldness and courage that is a, reflect a reflection of it. Amen? So I want to share two things uh, to apply this message. How do we live with hope on the near horizon, given what lies ahead of us on the far horizon? Well, the first thing is simply confidence. And by confidence, as you can see here, confidence, I mean this, Confidence is saying this, this hope reassures us it's going to be okay even when life is scary. I don't know if you have anything in your life right now, or particularly, I mean, as you look into the rest of 2017 and round the corner into 2018, I wonder if there are things that feel a bit scary. Certain threats or possibilities that hang over our present moment and have the potential to rob us of peace if we succumb to them. Well, listen, the hope that we've spoken of reassures us that ultimately it's going to be okay even when life is scary. You see, Christians who grasp the solid and certain nature of our future hope can live through very uncertain times and challenging times with supreme confidence. If you look back through the story of Christianity, you'll see that particularly in the early church, this was the case, that these early Christians, that these kinds of letters 1 Peter was written to, they were suffering terribly. Emperors after the biblical times like Domitian and Nero really targeted Christians. Some of them would have been brought into the amphitheaters where vast crowds would gather to watch Christians be torn apart alive by bears and lions just a sport for the crowds to watch. Others, so we're told, Nero had coated in tar and set light to as garden lights for his parties in his house. Christians were garden lights, burnt, burnt alive. Horrendous, unimaginable suffering. And yet, here's the amazing thing, as Christians were set on fire, Christianity spread like wildfire. Why? Well, because when these Christians died, they died with confidence. They died with supreme hope. And it didn't matter what they did to the Christians, they could not extinguish the hope that they had. When they were put in the amphitheaters, there are recounts of them singing hymns and praying for their enemies and looking as if they were about to experience a great victory. <laughs> and so it wasn't long before their persecutors realized these Christians, they've really got something. Something that even death can't take away. They lived and they died with a supreme confidence that even when life is scary, ultimately we have a hope that no one and nothing can take away. Amen? Listen to uh, an account which may have been a real-life account. If you click on the next slide, between the emperor and a Christian. E is for emperor, C is for Christian. The emperor says, we will exile you. And the Christian says, you can't. The whole world is my father's house. The emperor says, well, then we will execute you. And the Christian says, you can't. My life is hidden with Christ in God. The emperor says, well, then we will dispose of your estate. You can't. All my treasure is in heaven. 
The Emperor says, well then, we will put you in solitary confinement. You can't. <laughs> I have a friend from whom you can never separate me. I defy you. There is nothing you can do to harm me. Now what freedom. <laughs> when you can live and speak with such hope, what freedom you have. What can you do to this person? Their life is caught up in secure realities that mean that even when life feels terribly insecure, we have a hope that nothing can shake. Amen? Now, when Christians live with this kind of confidence, it's a shining, powerful light. The world around us realizes these Christians, they've really got something. Because when redundancies are on the table, they have an anchor for the soul that is bigger than that. When there's challenges at home or in the community, when sickness comes, these Christians, they've really got something. Just going back in terms of my own story, um, just uh, about six months ago, just less than five months ago, my father um, has topped out into glory. He went to be with the Lord. Uh, at the end of what was a very long journey of battling with cancer, he had several rounds of it, as so often is the case, and lasted for many years. But one of the things that has stayed with all of us as a family, but also as a community, my, my, far, my parents' uh, neighborhood, the, the, the neighbors, many of whom aren't Christians, is that he faced that challenge with supreme confidence. He knew that he was roped to the Lord Jesus Christ, and whatever the outcome of test results, he had a hope that could not be shaken, whatever the news. Now that is confidence. It's Christian stuff, folks. You can't buy this on the high street. You can get this in here and by the Holy Spirit. And it makes all the difference. When the chips are down, we are those who've really got something. Amen? So let me encourage you. We don't know what the rest of this year and next year holds, but let me speak some things over it. Whether it's a hard Brexit or a soft Brexit, we have hope. Amen? It's bigger than that. Whether you do get the grades and get onto the course or you don't, we have hope. And it can't be shaken by that. Whether the test results prove to be benign or malignant, we've got a hope that's bigger than that. Whether I end the year single or married, it's bigger than that. Whether it's redundancy or promotion, it's bigger even than that. We have confidence that even when life is scary, it's going to be okay. Amen? Once a year, I'm back to the sailing. Uh, I'll, I'll revisit the anchor now through sailing rather than climbing. And uh, once a year, I go sailing. I'm not a sailor at all. I'm very inexperienced at sea. But I have three friends, old Cornish friends, uh, one of whom owns a yacht. So we go sailing once a year. And um, they are very experienced at sea. And I make the tea, basically. That's the deal. Uh, and we sailed, um, recently, we sailed to the Scilly Isles um, through the night. It was absolutely beautiful experience. We arrived just as the sun was rising. Uh, fantastic. And then the next, we spent the day there. The next uh, evening, we sailed round to a cove around the back of one of the more remote islands and dropped anchor for the night. We all bunkered down for the night. And in the night, the wind got up and a sort of small storm sort of blew through. And the others were asleep and I couldn't sleep. I was sort of up pacing the boat. I'm not experienced at sea. I, I was convinced we're in trouble. You know, I felt like we were being swept to the rocks and tossed around and I, I in the end I had to wake I woke up the captain who owns the boat and I said I think we're in trouble you know all worried he could see that and he looked at me and he heard me out and then he I met, I'll never forget his response he just said have you seen the size of our anchor <laughs> that was all he said have you seen the size of our anchor go back to bed we're fine 
Now, I want to say to some of us this morning, have you seen the size of our anchor? We are anchored to the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of heaven. Can I encourage you to have a good night's sleep tonight? Whatever we're facing, we are anchored to a hope that cannot be shaken. This Christian hope says we can have confidence even when life is scary. Amen? Secondly, courage. And this, with this I finish. We have confidence. And then the second way that hope shines into this year is it gives us a certain courage. And by this I mean hope gives us boldness to step out of our comfort zone even when it's risky. You see, again, the early Christians were known for being those who took on the risks and challenges of society. Why? Well, because they had their own future secured, and that freed them up not to be living in fear and comfort zones, but to take bold steps of faith. When there was a plague in Alexandria, guess who were the only ones who cared for the dying? The Christians, because they did not ultimately fear, but they loved even to the point of death. Christianity, in its purest and truest form, is focused on the future and because of that is most effective in the present. See, there is a myth that if you think too much about the hope of heaven, you'll lose effectiveness on earth. That's not true. So often we are ineffective on earth because we've lost awareness of where we're going and the hope that we have. C.S. Lewis, again, summarizes it, as always, so brilliantly. He says, if you read the history uh, books, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. So can I encourage you to think about that moment? You're going to top out into glory. And when we see him, we're going to be like him. Now let that come back into the present moment and free us up from a bit of fear and self-preservation and playing it all safe and worrying about the future. No, no, no. I know there are challenges and threats. I have them and you have them. But we have a hope. Amen? And that frees us up, not just to take care of our little pile and try and keep ourselves and our family safe. That's all good to do. But we're bigger than that. We walk out into a bigger horizon than this world has. Our world's horizons may have collapsed into me and my family and my slightly bigger house and bigger car than last year, right? That might be the world's horizons, but Christians live bigger than that. There's a mission for us. There's hope to share with a world that's perishing, and we are heading for glory. And on the way, our challenge is not to just look after ourselves. He's got us covered. We're roped to him, <laughs> Now, if he's got us covered, we could take care of a few other people on the way, don't you think? We could be busy taking some risks to share hope with a world that's perishing until the Lord returns or calls us home. This is real Christianity. It steps out from self-preservation mode and fear in a world that's suffering with a new play called FOMO. Have you heard of this? FOMO, uh, psychologists are referring to it. FOMO, the fear of missing out. The fear of missing out, FOMO. It's plaguing young people, especially in our society, because if you have no ultimate hope, then the fear that I might not live the life I need to live, at the self, at all horizons, collapse in on ourselves, and I need to get what I can now because I'm afraid of... Listen, we're free from that stuff. We live bigger lives because hope has set us free not to live 
paralyzed by a fear of what I need for my life, but to step into the Lord's mission to bring hope to a world around us. A year ago, I um, had the privilege of going to Hong Kong and spending a day with a lady called Jackie Pullinger. Some of you may have heard of Jackie Pullinger. Again, the picture on the screen for those of you who haven't. But Jackie uh, became quite well known, at least in Christian circles, because at the age of 18, she, um, very daring, got on a boat that I think was bound for Tokyo and prayed with 20 pounds in her pocket, Lord, show me where to get off. She just felt she was called to do this. And the Lord showed her, she felt, to get off in Hong Kong. And uh, she went into the city, as it was at that time, and uh, effectively, to cut a long story short, she, along with others, she wasn't on her own, got stuck into the walled city. Now, at the time, this was uh, a lawless place, ruled by triad gangs full of prostitution and heroin addiction. And Jackie and others went in to bring hope in Jesus' name to the darkest place in the whole region. Now today, the walled city is actually a walled garden. And it's actually a beautiful parable, if you like, of the difference that Jackie and other Christians made bringing hope. I, when I was there, one of the guys who opened the gate as we drove in is in the book, Chasing the Dragon. He used to be a triad gang leader, and now he's the gatekeeper for the place where many more heroin addict, addicts are being set free in Jesus' name. It's a wonderful story. I encourage you to read it if you haven't. However, here's the point. This incredible courage that Jackie showed and bravery, I had a chance to ask her a few questions in a brief interview. And one of the questions I asked went particularly badly. <laughs> I said to Jackie, I said, so what made you so brave to do this? I think you can understand my question, right? She didn't understand the question. She said, brave? She said, brave? That's completely the wrong word, she said. I'm not brave. I just believe. I just believe what every Christian is supposed to believe, that I'm on my way to heaven and I want to take as many people with me as I can. <laughs> Brave, she said, dear me. <laughs> now, I was humbled by that response. She didn't even understand the question. She's not thinking, how can I be a brave hero? No, no, she's just believing what we're all called to believe. Now, the particular calling for Jackie Pullinger, no doubt, is not the calling for me and for you, right? But we are all called to believe that we are on our way to glory. And our calling is to take as many people with us as we can. By being hope and sharing good news with this world, I want to encourage some of us, and I speak to myself here as well, there's so many pressures and forces in our current world that make us turn inward and become internal in our horizons, just taking care of ourselves. And very subtly and gradually, we've moved away from living bold lives, and we've just become small in our thinking. How can I take care of... No, no, let's step out of that kind of thinking to say, no, no, I have a hope that nothing can take away and I want to live for the things that last. I want to step out in Jesus' name and make a difference in this world. I want to give in a generous and risky way. I want to live in a generous and risky way. I want to serve. I want to see people saved. I want to be part of seeing people healed. I want to be part of ministries and getting stuck in to make a difference that when I top out into glory, I'll have no regrets about how I lived in history. Amen? That is what Christian hope can do for us. It sets us free from some of our fears to live bold and courageous lives in Jesus' name. Back to our definition. Does it work for you as we finish? Hope is the confident expectation of a glorious future that is so certain we can live for it 
now. Amen. Would you like to stand with me?